Last week we opened the book of 2 Peter. We discovered that one of the keys to receiving the blessings of God and living a victorious Christian life is knowing Jesus. Peter opens this letter by reminding his hearers that those who have been made right with God, not through anything they've done or any effort of their own, but through the righteousness of Jesus Christ, have inherited a faith that is very precious. And then he tells us that grace and peace are ours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I are people who want to experience God's blessing in our life. And it's almost a human, a universal human desire to experience the favor of God in our life. The Apostle Peter says that God's blessing comes through one way. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, verse 3 that we looked at last week. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Today we're going to build on verse 4. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I like the phrase he uses, very great and precious promises. I've always liked that phrase partly because it rings true in my life and perhaps yours as well. The promises of God are something special to us, not to mention overwhelming at times. God's word promises those who believe in Jesus an, an amazing array of spiritual, material, physical, emotional, financial, and relational blessings. From eternal life in heaven to an abundant life with his people right here on earth. And the Bible contains, by one scholar's account, some 7,487 great and precious promises. Now, these promises have, been, have proved to be a, a, a lifeline for Christians in their daily walk with God. The Puritan preacher Thomas Watson wrote this. He said, live much in these promises. The promises are great supports to our faith. Faith lives in the promises of God. One of my favorite promises is found right here in the first chapter of 2 Peter. In fact, it's more than just a promise, it's a guarantee. Peter tells believers to add certain characteristics to their faith. And then he asserts boldly in verse 8, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, Peter is saying, do this, and your life will be both productive and effective for the glory of God. What exactly is Peter telling us to do? Well, let's back up. He says in verse 5, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, kindness, and to kindness, love. 
Sounds a little bit like the Apostle Paul's words in Galatians that we call the fruits of the Spirit, doesn't it? Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, kindness, and love. These are the foundation, Peter says, of an effective and productive life. Develop these qualities and you will accomplish more with your life than you ever thought possible. Not a bad list of values, do you think? Peter says, add these qualities to your faith. So what is the process for putting them to work in our life? There are three principles in this passage that I'd like us to look at today. The first one is this. We need to make them a priority. Peter says in verse 5, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith. And he's saying, do this. Do it now. Make it a priority. Have you ever known anyone who successfully accomplished a dramatic change of habit in their life overnight? Very few. Have you ever heard someone say, I don't know how, uh, I don't know what just happened. I woke up one day and I was thin. (laughs) Probably not. Or I woke up one morning and I was no longer a smoker. That's not the way it usually happens. Nearly always a person says, I decided this was important for me. I made it a priority. I kept trying until I reached my goal. You see, change doesn't happen by accident. Holiness doesn't just seep into our life when no one's looking. Peter says that it takes effort. We have to invest something to make it happen. Well, wait a minute. Can't God change people supernaturally? Yes, I believe he does change us supernaturally, meaning through his methods. Peter's telling us what God's method is. Make every effort to add to your faith. We share in the responsibility of making life change happen. We aren't likely to succeed at something that isn't very important to us, not the kind of success that Peter's referring to the type that makes us productive and effective for the glory of God. It must become a personal priority. You see, good marriages don't happen by accident. They happen because two people decide it's a priority and they make every effort to see that it happens. The same can be said for having a good relationship with your children or even success on the job. And the same is true in the spiritual life. If you want to be productive, if you want to be effective, It must become a priority. And then make every effort to add these virtues to your life, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, kindness, and love. Peter makes a promise. He says, in effect, I can guarantee that you'll be productive and effective if you'll do just this. He's not merely saying that these qualities will improve your chances He's saying that these qualities will give you the results that every believer in Jesus Christ really wants, and that is a productive and effective life. Now think about it. I doubt that any one of us want to come to the end of our life and say, my life was a total waste. I never accomplished anything. Most of us want our life to count for something. We want to look back on a life that was productive and effective, a life that was accomplished 
uh, that accomplished much for the glory of God and for the betterment of humankind. And Peter tells us how we can make that happen. But the second principle he teaches here is we need to measure our progress. There's a crucial phase here that we need to pick up on. Look at verse 8. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I frequently talk to people who tell me that they're discouraged, they're frustrated with the progress that they're making in their Christian life. And they've been at it six weeks, or they've been at it six months, and they're still struggling in some areas, and they want to know, what's wrong with me? This isn't working for me. In every other area of our life, we understand the concept of incremental growth, don't we? But when it comes to spirituality and holy living, we tend to expect everything to happen, you know, with a snap of a finger. Most of us understand that we can't lose 50 pounds in one week. It takes months to accomplish this goal in a healthy way. Most of us understand that few people achieve financial security overnight. It takes years of planning and careful investing and saving. For most people, we don't meet someone one day and fall in love the next, get married a week later, and expect to live happily ever after. Growth comes incrementally, one step at a time. And the key, according to Peter, is that we must possess these qualities in increasing measure. A little now, a little bit more later. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but have you ever bought into a quick uh, get-rich scheme? <laughs> um, we've all been tempted, haven't we? Thousands of Americans do it every single day. Whether it's... Uh, having someone talk to us about a pyramid marketing scheme or going to the casino or buying a lottery ticket. We're looking for that quick, get rich, quickly, uh, that thing that will help move us forward. But for the overwhelming majority of these folks, their plans never pay off. But they keep trying. And, and often their actions become a little bit more desperate, a little bit more high risk, a little more foolish, with every attempt, and they find themselves sometimes further and further away from true wealth. The main problem with the get-rich-quick mentality is that most people pursue these schemes with the hopes of receiving much in return for little, both in terms of time and capital investment. Some people expect the Christian life to be like that. They want everything right now. They want a minimum of investment on their part, but they want God to answer every prayer when they pray. They want God to fill their life with all kinds of blessings. They want to be knowledgeable about the Word of God without investing much in prayer or reading their Bible with regularity or without working on their relationship with Christ. You see, God doesn't just zap us with sainthood, we grow to be more like him day by day, week by week, month by month, in increasing measure. We become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ in incremental steps. It's a process. My experience is that in God's economy, good growth is usually slow growth. You may want it all now, but God's method is to develop the qualities of holiness in us in increasing measure. 
Why? Because it keeps us involved in the process. It keeps us coming back day after day, seeking God's help, asking for his power, pouring our heart out to him. The Christian life is not a performance on our part. It's an ongoing relationship with Jesus. I've known Christians who don't give themselves permission to grow in their discipleship. Rather, they view it as a pass-fail proposition. Every day is the final exam. They either make it an A or an F in every circumstance. They worry about not making the perfect response in every situation. God's goal is not to flunk us out of the kingdom. He understands that we're not perfect yet. He just wants us to devote our life to moving in the direction of perfection. He wants us to evaluate our life from time to time and ask, how am I doing? Am I growing in my faith? How am I doing at goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and kindness and love? You know, historians tell us that uh, Benjamin Franklin did something along these lines. He made a list made a list of 13 virtues, temperance, silence, frugality, cleanliness, chastity were, were among the 13 virtues. And he created a graph in a notebook so that he could grade himself each and every day on his performance in each area of these virtues and chart his progress. Whether or not we follow his example, which, by the way, can be done pretty easily on an Excel spreadsheet on your computer, uh, we do need to evaluate our personal growth. Get in the habit of asking yourself, am I moving in the right direction? How are, things, how are the things that I'm doing today contributing to my growth as a follower of Jesus Christ? You may even want to get some feedback from other people. Find people in your life whose opinion you can trust. People who have the, your best interest at heart. People who see aspects of your character that you're not able to see. And allow them to speak insights into your life. See, becoming like Jesus is the goal. But it's a process. We grow in increasing measure. If we want to be effective in the Christian life, we need to Make it a habit to measure our progress in some way and pay attention to where those habits are taking us. But here's the third principle I want to note for you today. Maintain your perspective. The object of the Christian life, the goal that God has set in front of us, is to be like Jesus. And sometimes when we look at where we are in this process, it's easy to become discouraged. It's easy to think, you know, I'm never going to make it. I'm not that good of a person. And some people will never miss an opportunity to remind us of how far we are from that goal. How many times have you heard somebody say, and you call yourself a Christian? It can be discouraged when we consider how far we are from being Christ-like. So discouraging that I've known people over the years who would give up the whole process. I've heard Christians say, every time I try to live a holy life, I fail. I'm sick of trying. I'm Tired of failing, so I just give up. Well, Peter has something to say to the discouraged spirit in verse 9. But if anyone does not have them, these qualities, they are nearsighted and blind 
and have forgotten that they have been cleansed of their past sins. Nearsighted and blind. How could we be both, you ask? Well, actually, the, or the, the participle translated nearsighted here means shutting one's eyes. In other words, intentionally choosing not to see. The same can be said for the word forgotten. In this passage, the idea of forgetting is not a mental process, but a practical failure to consider the true meaning and significance of something. So intentionally not seeing, intentionally not remembering. That we have been cleansed of our past sins. Peter says, in effect, if we're not allowing, uh, if we're not growing in holiness, in Christ-likeness, it's because we're not reminding ourselves um, of where we were and what we used to be. We're not reminding ourselves of what God has done for us and the forgiveness that is ours through Jesus Christ. Some of us here today may have forgotten how it was when we came to Christ. We came to him with a repentant spirit. We found healing. We found restoration and peace and uh, that filled our life, and maybe we've forgotten that it was all about God's power and mercy and grace that got us there. Somehow we've forgotten the idea, or we've gotten the idea that it, that it was all up to us, and that we just picked ourselves up by our bootstraps one day and turned our life around. And as a result, we've become self-satisfied, and we stopped moving toward the goal of spiritual maturity. Peter says that if we're not developing these qualities in increasing measure, it's because we've forgotten that we have been cleansed of our past sins. This is one time when remembering the past is a good thing. We need to remember where we were without Christ in our life. We need to remember what his mercy brought into our life. We need to remember how his forgiveness changed everything. We need to remember where we came from so that we can recognize where he's taking us now. This is how we maintain our perspective on what God is doing in our life. There's a saying that I've heard phrased a number of different ways, and here's a version that I like. I'm not what I ought to be, and I'm not what I want to be, but I'm not yet what I'm going to be, and by the grace of God, I'm not what I used to be. As we journey on in our pursuit of being like Jesus, we must remember that there has to be a balance to this quest. There is no question that we need God's power to become holy. We can't accomplish it in our own strength. But Peter wants us to understand that we do have a responsibility to work on it. Make every effort, he says. Give it all you've got. And if we'll do our best, God will give us the strength to do the rest. So do you want your life to become and to be productive and effective? Peter says it can happen, but we have to put the promise of God to work in our life. Make it a priority to add to your faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, kindness, and love. Let those words describe the person that you want to be. Pray with me. 
eternal God, so often we have neglected to see the signs of your presence in our life. And we've not done all that we can to grow in those virtues that you promised would help us to be more like Jesus. Instead, we've organized life for our own self-interest and not found you in the people and events surrounding us. Too often our worship is filled with empty words and our hearts are closed to your transforming spirit. So we get so wrapped up in ourselves and our stuff that day after day signs of your life in us and around us leave us unmoved. And simply today we pray that you would help us to break that routine, to forgive us, change us, help us to develop the qualities of faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance,